Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. So today I'm talking to Shannon Weston. Shannon is a nutritionist who specializes in nutritional counseling for disordered eating. She founded Ease Nutrition Therapy because she saw a huge need for compassionate, person-centered care to help people feel better around food. Ease Nutrition Therapy is a private nutrition counseling clinic offering disordered eating support. And Shannon also hosts the Ease With Food podcast where she talks all things relationship to food. Shannon is also a business mentor for professionals and really enjoys supporting people like nutritionists, dietitians and therapists build their business. She's the co-founder of Build Your Business Summer School, a non-diet anti-hustle culture business course. I'm really looking forward to talking with Shannon today and all things disordered eating, as when you're on a healing journey with food, it's often tricky to know what to do and where to start. Shannon is going to be sharing some of the skills and strategies she uses specifically when supporting her clients in healing. We'll be talking meal plans or not, binge eating, and why she doesn't care what you eat and more. Let's get to the conversation. Hi there, Shannon, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi, Harriet. Thank you for having me. So, Shannon, could I get you first, please, to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, so... Hi everyone, I'm Shannon. I'm a nutrition counsellor and I have been doing this work for around the last three years. I'm based in Aberdeen in Scotland and yeah, I think that's all I kind of want to say for my intro for now. Sure. So Shannon, what's it like in Aberdeen today? Because I always think of Aberdeen being freezing. <laughs> so yeah. what's, it, what's it like today? <laughs> Well, it used to be freezing, but now in like the last few years, it's actually been like even quite warm here. So yeah, today it's like 13 degrees and really sunny, but a bit windy. It is definitely like a colder part of the UK, but still, still pretty warm. I don't know how it is where you are. Yeah, no, similar actually. It's probably about, maybe about 17 degrees or something actually, but yeah, it's like really nice sunny day actually almost feels like September probably not nearly November um that's good yeah same here yeah so Shannon obviously you work as a nutritional nutritionist counsellor is that how you describe it so you're combining like nutrition and counselling that kind of like magic combination and particularly for people perhaps that are struggling with disordered eating so could you tell us a little bit about sort of your journey and how you came to work in this field yeah, definitely. Yeah, I call it nutrition counselling. So just to kind of give like very brief like of my qualifications and then I'll like dive into how I got here. So I'm a nutritionist, I have a master's in nutrition and then I'm kind of on the route of like, you know, developing my counselling and psychotherapy training. But at the moment, you know, I'm a nutritionist and I kind of offer like a person-centered approach with my kind of introductory counselling training. So that's where kind of nutrition counsellor comes from. Yeah, so I guess I came to be a nutrition counsellor because really I've always wanted to have a job where I'm helping people in some sort of way. So 
I've always wanted to be like a dentist or a doctor or a teacher or something. And so what I really love about being a nutrition counsellor is like the practical side, which is very, it's quite like directly impactful on people's lives because, you know, hopefully people are eating multiple times per day. And then I also like the work of in disordered eating because well, I guess we'll get into this, but I have had my own experience of an eating disorder. And yeah, on a kind of more serious note, though, I think it's no surprise that out of all the kind of helping jobs and roles that I could have had, that I've become a nutrition counsellor, especially being like a nutritionist, because I know from being around other nutritionists at uni and things, you know, people who become nutritionists tend to have their own stuff going on with food. Thankfully, when I started my master's, which was like maybe four years ago, I didn't really have problems with food because my disordered eating kind of came early in my life. So maybe from age like nine-ish. So I've always kind of had problems with food and my body and I was really aware of it. And then when I finished my bachelor's degree, I went on to do my master's in nutrition. So yeah, that's kind of how I came here from one, wanting a kind of helping job, two, kind of being in the field of like wellness. And I was very big on, you know, Instagram when it was all clean eating and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, and then I think just kind of having an interest in relationships to food. Yeah, that's kind of how I came here. I think quite similar to lots of people who are in this, you know, disordered eating and eating disorder space. Yeah. Mm. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And it sounds like, so today in your practice, do you specialise in working with people with disordered eating? Is that sort of where your main focus is? Yeah. So I've been really lucky to have quite like a thriving private practice for the last three years. And I only work with people with disordered eating. I do a little bit of work with like if someone I'm working with happens to have like you know high blood pressure PCOS gut problems like we'll work together on that too but only if that kind of comes alongside their relationship to food yeah and I do have like an associate that also works in my clinic which is lovely which means that she works with a lot of people in sports nutrition so it's really lovely that I also have her because I don't really kind of know too much about sports nutrition so it's nice to have a bit of diversity if anyone needs support with that too. Sure so in terms of people that sort of present themselves as your clients, what kind of disordered eating symptoms do you frequently see in your practice? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I guess all types of disordered eating, I guess, from like, what maybe people see me talking about online, I talk mostly about binge eating, mainly because I find that binge eating is more almost like it's more kind of like shadow band online like it's a lot more common to see support for quote-unquote like restrictive disordered eating rather than binge eating so I guess if people have kind of been on my Instagram and that kind of thing I do talk more about binge eating but really my clients might be struggling with restriction or food fears or purging or binge eating 
But yeah, really, we work with all types of relationship to food on my podcast. So I have a podcast called the Ease with Food podcast. I talk mainly about binge eating on there. And I guess I don't know why I talk most about binge eating other than it's a bit more, like I said, a little bit more, I can't think of the word, not something that people talk about as much. And my own relationship to food, I've kind of been like many people who have struggled in their relationship to food, been like all around the world with it. So I've struggled with restriction, binging, purging. And yeah, so I don't really specialize in one type of disordered eating. I kind of, yeah, work with them all, which, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, they sure. And I guess it's often quite complex, isn't it? I guess any one, one person might often be struggling with several different aspects of disordered eating but I really hear in a way that there is a lot of focus isn't there I think in mainstream culture and online more towards perhaps restriction orthorexia maybe in recent years Mm -hmm. and less so on binge eating so it's so helpful isn't it to try to spotlight on that more yeah definitely I guess something I've been thinking about the last few days is so it's Halloween today 31st of October and so I've really been reflecting on the posts that I'm seeing on Instagram today, which is lots of, you know, eat the Halloween candy or the Halloween sweets, that kind of thing, which is really helpful. But I work with a lot of clients who are like, I don't need more permission or they they feel like they don't need more permission. So I always, I'm kind of trying to, I guess, be a bit more mindful that, like you said, there's like a really big range of like types of disordered eating and things that people are struggling with and that's kind of on my mind today thinking about the like range of things that might be going on Mm, sure and I think you touched on a really important point there actually like I think when some people are struggling from disordered eating and they're trying to step more into a perhaps an intuitive eating place it can feel as though you know, like you say, in a way, they feel they've already, they've got them permission to just eat whatever, but then they almost feel like, then that feels really out of control and they still haven't got a healthy relationship with food and they're still in a really difficult place. And I think it's helpful that you've just sort of highlighted that little sort of nuance there, because I think it's just not black and white, is it? No, it's not. Yeah, there's lots of grey, right? Yeah. And I guess thinking about kind of starter, like, ways that people can heal their relationship to food before going down that road of like full permission to eat like people need safety right like Mm. first and foremost safety and like being able to even like connect with their body and to connect with food and eating and that's Mm. why I think that I really enjoy this nutrition counseling work which is like a lot of like laying the foundations and doing the kind of I don't know, the, like the brick laying work before we kind of be like, oh, like, you know, feel free to eat everything you want. It's like, I feel like really overwhelming and scary. Mm. So can you talk a bit more about that? You know, I'm very supportive of, I think what you're talking about with, uh, you know, having a bit more structure, maybe regular eating, stabilizing blood sugar, those kind of things. So when a client comes to you, would you sort of focus initially on, establishing some kind of structure and safety first can you explain a bit more about what that looks like yeah definitely so I guess if I think of someone coming to me and most of my clients feel 
well, depending on the person, different things, but maybe someone feels out of control with food or like they just have no idea how to eat anymore. Really, in our first few appointments together, it's really more like developing a relationship and getting to know them and to wind right. But really what we're hoping to do is build some sort of regular, consistent pattern, not just with eating, but like with how they think about things or how they respond to things or how they think about taking care of themselves. But on the kind of food side of it, it would be, you know, looking at what they're currently eating and how often and thinking, how can we make this to begin with more regular? So sometimes I might be working with someone who is eating, you know, one meal or two meals per day. So we would start off with like, can they maybe eat something for breakfast or a little bit more like small meals per day, just anything really. And then once they're eating regularly, so maybe every three to four hours, then we might work to make sure that they're eating enough food. So if they're eating three meals per day, we might look at what they're eating in those meals. We might add some snacks or look at kind of the specifics of what they're having. And then we kind of move on to the more stuff that I think is more like social media focus, which is the more, you know, making peace with foods. So really there's like a lot of groundwork that we make before we even think about like having, I don't know, for example, like ice cream or cookies or something. There's a lot of like safety that needs to be built between like the person and food before it can come to that. And also thinking about their self-care and how they respond when maybe they're eating regularly, but they're still engaging in like binging or purging or these like restrictive thoughts. So yeah, there's like quite a lot that goes into it. And it's, yeah, not as kind of like, I guess, you know, step by step as maybe I think online it might kind of suggest. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's really helpful you've highlighted that because it is quite a messy and perfect process, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it can sound quite simple from the outside, thinking about regular eating, eating enough, etc. But when you haven't been in that pattern, it can be incredibly challenging, can't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even I'm thinking about clients that I work with, like, it can be challenging for loads of different reasons. Like it can be challenging to fit it in on like their schedule or even just like logistically, like maybe they have like a really busy life or I work with quite a lot of people who are living with, you know, conditions where maybe they can't tune into themselves or where they feel like they can't, you know, where they can't tell their body's needs. And so there's a lot of work that we can do there and or even from a kind of relationship to food perspective, it might be like fear of weight gain, fear of eating too much, fear of like being even more out of control or or fear of still binging even when they're eating more. So even in just something simple, like just eat more, just eat more regularly. Like you said, it's a lot more nuanced and a lot like a lot of messy grey area yeah 
Mm. Yeah, no, sure. And I think just picking up on your first point there about how common it is perhaps for people to be so busy and just really out of touch with their bodies. I'm just thinking, I'm sure like, like for you and I, like I would never sort of think now about missing a meal. Or I like absolutely prioritize that as part of my self-care. And that's like such a built-in habit now. But I know for so many of our clients, they are sort of in striving kind of fight flight kind of mode, aren't they? Like really busy on the hamster's wheel and eating isn't often a priority. So they're often like getting over hungry, missing, you know, not being tuned into their body, missing those sort of essential cues. It can just be a big adjustment, can't it? To almost start to have permission maybe to allow yourself to prioritize eating and to really take care of yourself in that way with food and I guess in other areas of life as well Mm, yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and yeah you're right I do like try to prioritize eating and you know taking care of myself but even for me who's like you know job it is right to do this it's still Mm. sometimes a bit difficult or sometimes it's like oh I'll finish this before I you know eat or before I have a break so I think it I always like send compassion to people that it must be even tougher Mm. right when it's not like you're part of your job and yeah I always think well it depends on the person right and their life and what they kind of want from our work together but I think really helping someone develop like their own routine with food that's not just like, oh, you need to eat because the clock tells you to, but maybe, you know, setting an alarm or doing a little sticky note or something to remind them to even just check in with how they're feeling. Something that I really notice is when someone is like adequately nourished their body often doesn't let them not eat. So it's Mm -hmm. like a little bit of magic that I think happens in the body, which is where people with like healthy relationships to food, I think it's often really difficult to ignore their body and like their body's hunger cues. So I always kind of, I always kind of watch for this light bulb moment that comes on when a client's like, they've been eating regularly again and eating enough. And at some point they say, I don't even need to like try to make sure I'm eating anymore because my body like almost kicks in and it makes me. But until that happens, I guess, yeah, using like a sticky note or a little alarm or something. And also bearing in mind, like sometimes you are a bit unconnected and some people might be a bit more unconnected in themselves. Yeah, I like the idea of just checking in kind of frequently and yeah, waiting for that like light bulb moment, I think when the body kind of takes over and it's a little bit more intuitive. Hmm. So Shannon, do you give your clients meal plans or is it more of a kind of guidelines that you provide them with and it's more of a kind of collaborative process or can you just talk a bit more about that? Yeah, this is a good question. Well, I should say I have a couple of clients who are on meal plans that we've worked on together or that they've been given from inpatient support. And when they've come out of inpatient support and they're more ready for, you know, like weekly nutrition counselling that we've kind of taken and like developed a bit more. So I do have a couple of clients on meal plans who are in need of weight restoration 
like a small amount that's appropriate for outpatient support or people who are very dysregulated or they need a lot more structure. But in general, it's always collaborative and it's always kind of suggestions. And we don't really even, I guess, talk about like the specifics of like food and nutrients for quite a good while. We more in the beginning of working together, it's almost like we set the kind of foundation of like what is enough food, what is regular eating and do a little bit of the basics of like nutrition and eating. And then we do a little bit more of the the kind of like root work, which is the more like, you know, why did the disordered eating come to be and all that kind of stuff. And then we might go more into the specifics. But yeah, I guess more collaborative, but if someone needs a bit more structure and a more like prescriptive meal plan, I do offer this, but only when it's like appropriate and needy because you can't be on a meal plan forever because it's not making way for like spontaneity and your appetite on a daily basis. And yeah, it's not really giving way for like normal, healthy eating. And what I find is the people who have been on meal plans they usually tend to wean themselves off of it at a certain point, which I think is like a really lovely moment where someone can like just really like feel their body and feel what their body wants and what it feels like eating. Always bearing in mind that they might have been someone who needed to weight restore. So they might be, their weight might be like monitored by their like family or GP or me, someone like that. But yeah, hopefully that answers it in like a a roundabout way. Mm, Yeah, and I think it's really helpful, isn't it? And just really clarifies perhaps that a meal plan can be such a helpful, or for some people, it can be such a helpful stepping stone, can't it? And and provide that safety and structure. But as you're saying, really, like you don't want to be tied to the meal plan forever because that would probably really reduce your freedom around food, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I just want to like clarify because when I say a meal plan, I mean like a meal plan for like eating disorder or disordered eating recovery. And in my kind of experience, this is more for, like I said, people who are weight restoring, but I would never give like someone who's struggling with binge eating meal plan. And I'm bringing this up because I have a podcast episode about meal plans and binge eating I often get inquiries from people who are like I'm really struggling with binge eating like I really need a weight loss plan or a meal plan and we both know that those are like completely different things like a healthy eating plan versus like a weight restoration meal plan they're totally different Mm -hmm. things so yeah I would I would never prescribe one of those because again those are just kind of taking someone out of they're like intrinsic body needs and probably bring in more food rules in and probably ultimately going to make binge eating worse. So yeah. So Shannon, I think you've also got a podcast episode called, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it's from my memory when I was having a quick like look over your, you know, all your different great resources. But you had an episode called something like, I don't care what you eat. I hope I remember that correctly but could you say a bit more about that as well what you mean by that yeah yeah so it's called I'm a nutritionist who doesn't care what you eat or something like this yeah 
I always, when I start working with people, I think they expect me to be really like black and white with food and very much like, oh, what have you been eating today? Let me give you a rating out of 10. And even though I think they know that I'm not going to be like that from, you know, like my Instagram and my website and things. But I think that there's like a really big thought that people like nutritionists and dietitians that we're going to be like really like invested in what someone eats. And actually what I really care about is like how someone feels about what they eat and how someone feels in their body. I'm not like one of these nutritionists that even like thinks they know how food would feel in someone's body. So I actually, I see online quite a lot kind of statements like, oh, I'm sure that eating two donuts or whatever amount of whatever food, like, oh, I'm sure that wouldn't feel good in your body. But like, I don't even know how something would feel like in someone's body. Because personally, like, I know that if I were to eat something that someone would class as, I don't know, less healthy or less nutritious, oftentimes like it doesn't really like affect me and it doesn't make me feel, you know, sluggish or I don't know, whatever kind of words people might think. So really like ultimately I'm all about hearing how food feels in someone's body and how they think of it and also like people's culture and their background. So I'm from the UK, but I grew up with like food that's like a bit different from like what some of my colleagues in this work eat. So I grew up in Fife in Scotland, which is a lot more of like fried foods. So we have things like fried Mars bars and like fried pizza and things like that. So I don't know. I just feel like that's quite random to talk about, but I just feel like Mm. um, keeping in mind like the foods that people grew up with and the foods that they like really enjoy and are comfortable with. So yeah, that's like more what I care about rather than like the minute details of what people eat. And yeah. Mm. Well, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's really important, isn't it, to get back in touch with the foods we really love and those foods that perhaps are associated with nice childhood memories or comfort or celebrations or, you know, it's all really important, isn't it, to be able to allow all those foods and I love how you're talking about noticing much more about how foods make you personally feel and not assuming how your experience might be the same as someone else's yeah yeah absolutely yeah and I'm even thinking back in the days when I was eating you know more clean eating kind of style food on the outside I was eating like lots of you know, proteins and lots of vegetables, but really like on the inside, I felt dreadful. And, you know, people would look at me and think that I was eating perfectly and also healthy, but actually I was eating foods that gave me like a lot of digestive problems or partly the food, partly my probably lack of enough food. But yeah, so like certain foods it really depends on the person and their relationship to food and really how it reacts to them Mm. yeah so Shannon once you have a client who's a bit more comfortable with their eating maybe they've got that safety and structure in place they're starting to introduce 
gradually maybe some of their old forbidden foods, becoming a bit more peaceful with food. What other kind of interventions do you use in your practice that are perhaps more along the sort of psychological, emotional side of things? Yeah, this is a good question. So it really depends on the person. So like I said, at the moment, like as of now, my, you know, psychotherapy and counselling training is very, you know, introductory, very minimal. So if I'm working with someone and it comes to be that a real root of their eating disorder or disordered eating is really rooted in trauma, traumatic experiences, then we would probably maybe pause our work and maybe make room for them to see a psychotherapist so that they can really work through like events related to their disordered eating. I really, I'm planning on at some point in the next couple of years, I'm not sure when, doing more psychotherapy training to you know, become a, someone that can help people with this. But at the moment, we would kind of refer on and make room for this. But yeah, really the work that I'm doing with someone, once they've gotten to the place of regular eating, we really then work on the more, you know, self-care and the more grounding techniques. So it might be that someone is finding themselves like whenever they're lonely or bored or tired like maybe that's when they're reaching for certain foods so we might work on things like distraction techniques or helping them with their self-care or helping them with their kind of daily routines or their schedule that kind of thing and I think ultimately what I'm helping someone do is like really develop their like toolkit of emotional coping skills and techniques to really help them like feel grounded and feel comfortable in their body so that they can like nourish themselves and continue to move through their recovery. No, thank you for sharing that. And what are some of the most helpful self-care sort of techniques that you find that your clients embrace because I'm sure again it's quite individual isn't it for each of us yeah absolutely well it really depends and actually I'm quite cruel like a lot of things I think some clinicians or maybe it's just what I get from social media I'm quite cruel certain things that others might not be so just kind of on like a personal anecdote one of the ways that I find so helpful to decompress is lying down in front of the tv for like two three hours so I'm a huge tennis fan so if anyone watches tennis you'll know that matches can be like up to five hours and so something that I really love is like lying down and watching a whole match and that is how I really decompress and when I've like spoken to clients about how they decompress something they really love is also like lying down or sitting down and watching tv and there almost seems to be like a bit of guilt associated with it so when I think of like self-care practices and like decompression strategies I'm always really curious like for them to think of the things that they really enjoy but they feel a bit of like guilt or like they shouldn't do so like watching TV or like even when it comes to food, like, 
you know, going out to a restaurant or having takeaway or like sitting down watching a film with like a chocolate bar, something like this. And yeah, um, for some reason, I can't think of any specific other techniques, but I'm really just curious, like what that person has tried in the past and the kind of things that they enjoy and yeah, kind of helping them find things that they want to do and things that help them decompress. I'm not sure why I can't think of anything specific, but yeah. Hmm. Well, I think it's really helpful, actually, Shannon, what you just talked about there, because I think it's about really getting into that. I like the decompressed word, but really getting into that zone, isn't it, where you really are self-caring, self-soothing, you're properly resting and switching off. You know, like I'm hearing you, like when you're talking about watching a tennis match in a way or matches, you know, it's something you can get really absorbed in and properly decompressed, can't you? It's not like a kind of, I mean, not to knock a five minute walk or something outside, or, but it's actually really properly transitioning into the self-soothe place, isn't it? It's almost like crossing, I sometimes think of it like the hard bit is almost across the bridge from the striving or kind of fight flight place into the self-soothe place you know sometimes that transition across that bridge is quite challenging isn't it but like when you're talking about that example I can really hear how you're really making that transition you know for you personally that really works and you're trying to support your clients to find their equivalent I guess where they really can decompress and rest and switch off yeah exactly yeah I love this analogy of the bridge and I like to think of this it's almost like imagining closing your laptop down after working all day you know closing your office door or coming home from work and it's almost like what is the like action or how can that person like make the action of like coming home after a long day taking their shoes off like what is their like thing that they can do to decompress, to kind of cross that bridge? I love that idea. Mm, yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. So Shannon, where can people find you if they'd like to find out more about the work you do or maybe book a consultation? Yeah, so my website is www.easenutritiontherapy.com. You can also find us on Instagram. We are at ease underscore nutrition therapy I have a podcast which I feel like podcasts are such a good way to like get to know someone and hear kind of tips and tricks so that's the ease with food podcast and yeah that's where people can find me and if you want to chat about working together you can head to my website and we can have a chat if you fill in just a very short application form which you'll find on my website Okay, now that's lovely, Shannon. And I should make sure that all those details are in the show notes and if people want to follow up with you. Cool, thank you. Yeah, so Shannon, I just want to really thank you for coming on the podcast today. I think what really strikes me about you, just getting to know you for this, you know, brief time, is you have a very person-centered approach to working with people. I can really see that. And you really treat people as individuals and are really helping them to identify their own path with the food, with the healing, 
I just think that's really valuable. I think it's a really lovely thing. There's so much about healing, isn't it? It's about coming back to ourselves and walking our own path and trusting. And, you know, sometimes when we've been struggling with disordered eating, we've gone so far from that self-trust, mm-hmm. haven't we? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. It's really lovely to hear. Yeah, and I totally agree. I know that it's like really, it can feel really scary and really like unknown to be on a path to kind of, you know, finding a way back to like your own values and things. But yeah, I guess that's actually the kind of message that I want to be kind of bringing across. So I'm really glad to hear that that kind of feels like how it is. So thank you. Thanks, Shannon. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Shannon's details in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm-hmm.